Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joined once again by Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great, Joe. How are you? Hanging in there, just uh, trying to make it through another another dreary-looking Monday. But that's uh, that's fall in New England, right? Or late October. Yes, it is. Island. Yeah. Uh, you know, it makes my Halloween decorations look nice, though. You know, with that all that kind of fogginess that when I woke up this morning and. Uh, you know, the the just the dreariness makes it look a little bit little bit better. Just uh, got to fight through that. Yeah, well, what we're exactly one week out from the big day, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know what that's like my Christmas. You know, I know, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, you can send us uh, questions and feedback uh, about football or about Halloween or anything else if you like uh, by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at NHHS Sports. You can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com. And before we get started, let's take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The presenting sponsor of the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of the Bean Group. The real estate market has cooled just like the New England fall weather. Interest rates have risen dramatically the last few months, and there could be more increases in the future. Many experts say we may never return to those historical low rates we've had over the last few years. Now is traditionally a slow time in real estate, heading into the holidays and winter. It's time to plan ahead for 2023. Take the time now to connect with Roger Howe from The Bean Group. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, let Roger's many years of experience guide you with a plan on what your next steps should be when the market heats back up after the first of the year. He knows your local market. Contact Roger at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-247. 1583 or email him at roger.how at com. All right, Mike, uh, we're going to start like we usually start with our uh, our team and players of the week. Um, I'll let uh, I'll let you go first this week. Who was uh, who was your player of the week from from this? Uh, what was a uh, week I, week eight of the football season? Yeah. So as I always say, uh, there were a lot of a lot of really gutsy performances this past week, and and I don't think this is an easy choice, but, you know, I am going to go against convention a little bit, because typically, at least the last few weeks, I've picked players that have been, it's been less about stats and and more about, um, you know, sort of overall contribution to a team, right, whether it was, you know, hey, you got a turnover, and you rushed for 85 tough yards and scored a couple touchdowns, but that turnover was key. That's generally been my formula, but I don't know. There was a performance in what ended up being a really, really important and I think great game uh, between Timberlane and Dover. There, there was a performance there that I think statistically is just impossible to ignore, and that would be Dover quarterback Ryder Aubin. Um, who went uh, 26 of 41 in that game, which was an overtime win for Timberlane, by the way, mm-hmm. um, and amassed 425 yards passing, with five touchdowns and a rushing score. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so I, I, I saw that and I said, you know what, that's pretty special. Um, yeah. And especially against a, a very, very good Timberlane defense, right? This is not, uh, you know, padded stats against a, a struggling defense right now. I, I've seen Timberlane's defense this year. They're very good. Um, and, and so that, to me, just really popped out as, as uh, a player that absolutely deserves the kudos. Yeah, that was a, that was a bit of a shootout kind of from, from out of nowhere. Um, you know, and, and I, I had, from my end, I was um, 
struggling to kind of keep up with checking scores during the game I was at because there was just so much going on there. And then I saw that game was going to, to overtime that, 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 you know, each team had missed kicks at the end of regulation. It was like, holy crap, uh, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, you know, the 42 points allowed by Timberland, like you said, um, almost double what they've given up uh, their, their previous high. Uh, and, and the 48 points is a, is a season high scored for, for Timberlane. Uh, and 42 has got to be, yeah, that's a season high for Dover as well. Yeah, just a that's a crazy, crazy kind of stat line uh, for a high school kid, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and, and maybe even a college and a pro kid, too. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Timberlane hasn't given up a lot of points this year. No, They've given up, no. I, I would say, on average, maybe 16 points a game. I, right. I haven't done the math, yeah. but just looking really quick at, at, at um, you know, their win-loss table this year. Um, you know, so, I mean, for Dover to come out, and sling it around like that and put up that many points, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I think Dover's previous point total was 37 against Sanford, Maine, um, in a win against Sanford Week 2. So, yeah, so I, I figured that that was kind of a no-brainer, Joe. Sorry if I took an easy <laughs> one from you. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Um, I was actually going to go with, uh, with a guy from uh, the game I was at Friday night, the National North uh, Bishop Girton game. Um, you know, not, not quite the stat line that, 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 uh, Mr. Aubin had there from, from Dover, but, uh, I was going with, uh, a guy who made some, some plays at key moments, uh, for the Titans. That would be, uh, quarterback, uh, Derek Finlay. Um, you know, just a huge night, um, overall, he was eight of 13 passing for 156 yards threw for two touchdowns in the second half, both to Jack Peters. Uh, that included a, a 61 yard touchdown on a, uh, a second and 26 um, that helped uh, North tie the game. He also, uh, at the end of the first half, came in and blocked a Bishop Girton field goal that kept it tied uh, 14-14 at halftime. And then on, uh, on BG's final drive, he um, you know, was able to get, he came in and, and he doesn't, I guess, uh, play on defense all the time. Um, but I guess when in big situations they've thrown him out there, and uh, he came up with a big pass breakup um, on a, on a deep ball from from BG that uh, you know that helped seal the game for North. So uh, and, and that was a huge win for them. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit more as we get into you know into the results from this week. But that was a big win for the Titans. Uh, and and just again I'll get into it. But it was a bizarre game. Um, you know, pretty much the end of each half was. I mean, you could have taken the last two minutes of each half and and that would have been the equivalent of action for quite a few games this year uh so it was bonkers <laughs> yeah you had said that when you were texting me we were both at games <laughs> so we were kind of keeping each other posted yeah. you said man we could probably do a podcast just on this one game on that I, I, we probably but, could uh, i i could do yeah. i could do a good half hour on that game if, if you let me but but yeah we'll, uh... yeah but for, for finley i'm glad that you brought up the idea that he had the key um key play on defense too because i was going to ask you wow it's not often that you hear about a qb um also you know getting a kick block on special teams well and i guess that was a situation too where where i i don't know the coach uh chad zabola said uh the north coach said that Derek came to him and said coach i'm going in and i'm going to block this and and Derek, (laughs) (laughs) okay then head on in there son (laughs) And, and, and Derek, to his credit said the coaches came to him and asked him to go in so I, I don't I don't know I, I'm uh, you know 
maybe it was a little bit of both, maybe a different coach. He didn't specify which coach it was, but maybe someone else said something, hey, go in on this play, and then and then Derek went to went to Coach Zavolis and said, hey, I'm going to go. I don't know, maybe it was a, a you know, like a telephone thing kind of there. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, I, afterwards I was like, well, wait a minute, who's, who's, who's right here and who's wrong but either way it's a it was a huge play uh well hey you know what if you're going to go to your coach if that's the way it happened if you're going to go to your coach and say something like that i always say that i always used to say to my guys you had best back it up absolutely yeah and so (laughs) if you're going to come to me with something like that you better go in there and do something and uh sounds like he had that all planned out so yeah Um, good pick who was uh who did you have for your uh team of the week so I went with the uh, the Pelham Pythons, uh, who went in to uh, a battle of undefeateds uh, over in a very difficult place to win, by the way, historically, which is at Sauhegan in the jungle. Um, and and they just did, you know, sort of all three phases: offense, defense, special teams. They they scratched and clawed their way uh, to a victory against a very good Sauhegan team. Um, Really impressed with them. I'll get into that game a little bit when we when we hit the Division Two portion of the of the thing. So I won't give no no spoilers. I won't give too much away. But um, I I think that was that was probably amongst the games of the week. Uh, I would say, including the one that that you were fortunate yeah, enough to go yeah. to. Um, it was a great game, but it it, it required uh, I think a really great game plan. A game plan that you could tell that the the Pelham team was dedicated to going out there and executing and, and, you know, they had to, they had to withstand some, uh, you know, some serious, um, threats from Sauhegan at various times and just keep their heads on and stay focused. It was a gutsy win. Absolutely. Yeah. Huge win. Um, gives them, uh, kind of opens the door. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll end up with at worst the number two seed. I, you got to think, um, so that's a huge, yeah, huge, huge win, uh, for them. I went with um, with another team in Division Two, kind of at the opposite end of the playoff spectrum, uh, and that would be uh, the Plymouth Bobcats. Uh, you know who who got a fourteen to seven win over St. Thomas. And what you know, I haven't I haven't crunched all the numbers yet. Um, that'll take some time later this week. Um, but you know, if, if from what my initial glance at the the potential points and scenarios are, was basically I think a playoff game for both teams. Um, you know, the winner of that game is, is I think, going to get in, um, while the loser is probably not. Uh, so that would mean, like, like St. Thomas, and, and part of that is because St. Thomas has to go, uh, uh, let me think, of, I don't remember if they're on the road. Uh, no, they're hosting Guilford Belmont on, on Friday this week. Huge yeah, game. Huge game. Um, really tough game for St. Thomas. Um, to and, and they need a win in that game to get in. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll, um, it, it, that one was a big one. Um, you know, and for Plymouth, they, they'd lost three in a row, um, to, to fall back a little bit. They were still in the playoffs at going into the game, but that win certainly helps them, um, in terms of securing that spot. They have a game left at Sanborn on Saturday. And, and I know, uh, you know, Sanborn upset them last year in the last regular season game, but, but the Indians are, are banged up from what I hear. Um, you know, so that would be a t- pretty tough task for, for them to try to pull off another upset. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing, and you got to figure, uh, I, I remember watching that game last year. It was a really good game. Sanborn just came to play and was, right. were very physical, but you got to figure Plymouth with their history, 
they'll be out to avenge that loss last year. The, you know, Sanborn's likely to see the best that Plymouth can can put out on the field at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that uh, that'll be that's my pick for team of the week. Uh, Plymouth um, keeping their playoff hopes alive and maybe even securing a playoff spot with that win over St. Thomas this past week. Yeah, good pick. All right, well, um, I guess we'll get into uh, – we're probably going to spend a lot of time on the two games that we were both at um, just because both games were had big importance in terms of playoff seeding, but also because they were incredible games. Um, we'll mix in a couple other thoughts as well. But um, how about we start – you want to start with the BG North game? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Um, you know, the what was on the line was no less than, uh, you know, first place in the West Conference in D1. Uh, with that comes the first round bye, uh, which is a new feature this year. Um, you know, the f- top three teams, basically the conference, e- each of the three conference winners gets that bye uh, through that first weekend of, of playoff games. Um you know, and the the loser of this game is going to probably end up somewhere like fourth or fifth, I want to say, um, in the standings, uh, which, of course, was, was BG. Uh, they fell to north, uh, 35-28. And it, it was, it, like I said, it was bizarre. Like, there were there were moments in that game where I was just going, like, what what is happening right now? <laughs> um, yeah. And it started out, uh, north returns the opening kickoff. Um, Amari Almonte uh, took the sh- – it was a short kick. Uh, he got it at the 15-yard line and basically just sprinted right up the middle of the field um, and, and, and scored uh, to put North up 7 nothing. just, I want to say it was, what, like 13 seconds into the game. Um, you know, Almonte got another touchdown early in the second quarter. It's 14 nothing North. BG had been able to move the ball a little bit, but they, they were turning it over on downs inside North Territory. Um, you know, they finally get... Um, excuse me, finally get on the board with about five and a half minutes left in the second on a, a 30-yard run by uh, Matt Sanaswaso. So they make it 14-7. They get the ball back. They're driving again. Uh, Sanaswaso hits uh, Ronan uh, Balistreri for a 21-yard touchdown. They tie it at 14. There's about a minute left in the half. And, um, you know, I'm standing on the sideline um, at this point with, with Roger Brown of the Union Leader and New Hampshire Football Report, and he's kind of saying and I and I agreed with him I was like oh North North should just take a knee here just just get into halftime BG's got a lot of momentum you know don't don't mess with this and yeah regroup uh, yeah and instead uh North tried ran a couple plays they fumbled lost the fumble BG got it back um and then and then that's when things went really crazy um <laughs> uh, so yeah. second play Santa Swanso finds uh, Cody Seismanski for a – it was a short pass, jump, almost a jump pass by, by Santa Swanso. Szymanski is all by himself in the flat, just sprints, gets, gets the ball and just starts running for the end zone. Uh, one of those, like, he's kind of in no man's land. Like, do you go out of bounds and, and save time, or do you try to – do you risk trying to score and potentially not get it and have no time left on the clock? Well, right. weird play – he he gets inside the ten. Um, he gets hit as he's going out of or hit out of bounds, and as he's hit, the ball comes flying out, pops straight up in the air. There's like nothing but North kids standing there. One of them oh. catches it, but as he's catching it, the official blows the play dead on the official right there, and says that that uh, the BG player stepped out of bounds. And 
I, I mean, I'm I wasn't watching where his feet were. You go back and you watch um, the Friday Night Lights. They were also there. Their video and the officials clearly looking at where his feet are. So if he saw him step out of bounds, he saw him step out of bounds. But he spotted the ball in a weird like they spotted it at the six yard line. I thought maybe it should have been at like the eight or nine. Uh, either way, it's BG ball. They line up to kick a field goal. Um, North takes a timeout just before the ball is snapped. So yeah, they, just to do a little icing. Yeah, yep. Like like it. He like they called the timeout. The ball snapped. Plays dead. They come out. They do it again. And like I said, Finlay comes around uh, the left side of the line, gets in there, blocks the kick. Second week in a row too that BG has had a field goal blocked uh, at the end of the half. They had the same thing happen against Bedford. Um, and and same situation too. Tie game going into halftime. Um, wow. Yeah, so it was... That's it, really it, odd. You're kind of like trying to digest all that, um, you know, and then they come back out, um, and then BG just went to like a... a as, as bizarre as it is to say when you think about them being a spread offense, um, you know, how run and gun they were, you know, maybe about six or seven years ago, uh, they went like complete power running game here. Like they... Um, did I figure? I think I had time of possession. Yeah, time of possession in the second half. Uh, BG had the ball for 18 minutes and 22 seconds to 5:03 for North. Uh, ran 42 plays to just 17 for North. Um, you know they open the open the half with an 11 play 71 yard drive, score a touchdown, go up, uh, and then get it get the uh, conversion too. Um, so they're up 22 to to 14. Um, North comes back in, in two and a half minutes and scores thirty on a 31-yard touchdown pass from Finlay to, to Jack Peters. Then they get the two-point conversion, so now we're tied again at, at 22. And then the defense has kind of stepped up. Um, you know, North got an interception on BG's next drive. Both teams go three and out, three and out. Um, BG gets the ball back with 7-12 to play, goes on a nine-play drive that takes over five minutes. And they get a uh, a touchdown run from Ethan Labby to take a uh, twenty eight to twenty two lead. Um, they go for two. So did they go for? Yeah, they went for two on that. Uh, and Santa Swanso gets stopped about a yard short. It's like, oh boy! So now all North has to do is score and kick the extra point. Well, like I said, North. Um, you know, they get get the ball, get to midfield. There's maybe about. Um, a minute and a half left at this point, and um, Jacob Baker comes up with a sack of Finlay on, on f- a first down play way behind the sticks. Like I said, it's second and 26. You're, you're thinking, oh, boy, this is this is looking pretty good for BG. And then yep. um, they connect on that 61-yard touchdown pass, and all of a sudden North is lining up to kick the extra point to, to win the game. Um, and then they miss the extra point. And we're still tied at 28 with, um, you know, with about a minute. Actually, it was, I think at that point it was a minute and a half left. Yeah, one one twenty six left on the clock. Um, BG gets the ball back, and they can't do anything. They're trying to throw the ball, can't connect on anything. They end up going three and out. They line up the punt. Uh, the snap is low. Uh, Baker, who's also their, their punter. Um, you know, and, and it's it's tough to, to fault a kid on this because your instinct is to – Oh my God! The ball's on the ground. It's rolling. I gotta do anything I can to scoop it up and not let it get. Yeah, by. which uh, you do. Yeah, so which 
by nature, you put your knees on the ground. Yep. So, and that's, he, he picked up the ball before he could get up, get that knee up. The official, uh, head official saw it, blew the play dead. So North yep. takes over at BG's seven-yard line, only needing a, essentially a field goal. They end up getting a touchdown. Um, and then coming back the other way, just, um, you know, BG completed one, got picked up one first down, but then couldn't couldn't connect on the next four tries, and that was it. Um, yeah. And just a, a, an insane finish. Yeah, to, to really to both both ends, right? The, yeah. the end of the half, crazy. The end of the game, crazy. I don't you know could I go all season and not see a game like that with, with, uh, you know, with with one end like that. Let alone one at the end of each half. You know, and and it's funny. I I went into that game thinking to myself, you know, I really hope that this lives up to, you know, the billing here. Like this is, we're expecting this to be a good game. You know, North is, you know, their record's great, but some of their schedule hasn't been the toughest. Uh, you know, BG is coming off, um, you know, that loss to London area a couple weeks ago. They've they got a bunch of injuries still. They, they got some guys back, but still are, are banged up. Um, you know, hopefully this lives up to it. And, and man, I, I it, it, it's game of the year. I mean, from what I've seen, the games that I've been to, um, I'm sure there's been plenty of other great games that you would call game of the year. This, to me, was, was the game of the year that, so far that I saw. Uh, just, yeah. And, and, and not just because it was close, but holy crap, the, the craziness of it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Was the crowd uh, out of their minds oh, over yes, there? absolutely. Crowds were out of their minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, crowd was out of its mind for, for quite a, a few portions of it. Uh, and you know what? You know what? And games like this, too, that always come down to the, to the wire um, makes me have a greater appreciation for what, what we watch on Saturdays and Sundays with college and, and pro football. Um, you know, they, they have the benefit of, you know, especially in the pros, you get two minute warning and, and timeouts and TV timeouts and injury timeouts in, in high school sports, you're playing like your hair's on fire, you know? Yeah. That, it moves that, a lot quicker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even a shorter play clock, right? Shorter, everything. Yeah. Everything is, is moving so much faster. How anyone ever executes in these situations. I don't really know. Like I, I have like, I, all I'm doing is taking notes and, and taking video and pictures, and sometimes I have a hard time keeping up. Uh, so so kudos to both teams and to any teams that get into this situation and, and are able to execute. So, um, But just a phenomenal yeah. game. I have a feeling, having been in a few of them myself, there's, a, there's probably a few years off my life as a result of <laughs> you know just, just the stress of being in some of those those. Uh, those close finishes with crazy circumstances, you know, those type of things. You know, the other thing, too, is is watching those games on TV. You're like, okay, well, what just happened? Let's show a replay, show a replay. You know, you're there, you know, they're live. It's, uh, yeah, you got to, yeah, you don't get that benefit. Right. But just, yeah, it's a crazy game. Like I said, it, it has huge implications on uh, on seeding. North will likely be the two seed um, going into the playoffs. Barring some unforeseen scenario, um, you know, with London, if Londonderry loses basically this week and North wins, I think then North is the number one seed. But I don't think uh, I think North is locked in at number two. Otherwise, uh, yeah, North has Dover coming up. Yeah, which is gonna. I mean, it, it. You know, how does Dover come off of that game last week against Timberlane? Um, you know, right. at home too. Um, right. But but Londonderry has yeah. Salem, who just picked up their first win and. 
six or seven weeks. Yeah. Right. So both both have game. Both teams have games that you would expect them to win, but and, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. But right. Um, you know, and then for BG, they finish up with with Keen on Saturday. They all, and that's a Saturday night game, so they'll know you know everything that has happened over the weekend <clears throat> will be kind of in front of them. So they'll know what where they stand, but I gotta expect that they'll be the four or five seed, um, you know, barring a a, a loss to Keen. Um, then I don't, I'm not sure. I haven't gone that far into the numbers yet, but I I think they're um, they're looking at hosting a playoff game in that first weekend, which I I don't know. Might I mean this will be interesting. I how these teams handle having a week off while everybody else is playing playoff games. Um, yeah, you know, so that that may be. I don't know. Is it is it? It may be a benefit. It may not be. Um, yeah, you you would ask me the question sometime around the beginning of the year. You know, you you had said from a coaching standpoint, what do you think about that? And you know, I I, I gave the same answer. I'll kind of I'll give an abbreviated version of it now. But I I think it's great if you're banged up and you need to you need to get refreshed. It's great if there's a couple of things in your in your uh, your playbook, so to speak, right? Like whether it's defensive schematics or whether it's uh, you know something a package on offense that you want to work in or something. It's great for you to actually spend some time to say, hey, we're going to refine this for the playoffs, right? We want to have this whatever, right? Maybe it's a short rushing package or maybe it's a you know a, a, a prevent type defense or whatever, right? It's good for that. It's not good um, for losing a rhythm, especially if you're you know, as these teams that are earning the buys are, right? You're, you're in a rhythm, and routine and rhythm are everything for, for football players, I think, right? You get into that routine, and it's almost like being in a rhythm on offense, right? You don't want that injury timeout. You don't want anything that interrupts that rhythm. So I wonder whether it's not good from that perspective, but um, it's also late in the season, it's high school, you know, you don't have 70, 80, 90 kids on your roster sometimes. It's 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 probably outweighed by the fact that you get to heal up a little bit, have some lighter practices, you know, make sure some of the nagging injuries get attention. Um, from that standpoint, I would say it's a great advantage. Yeah. Um, there's another situation, too, where a team is going to have a bye, uh, but it's this week and not next week. Uh, and that would be Wyndham, who um, who doesn't have a game scheduled for this week. Uh, so they finished their season's done, and holy crap, did they uh, they put an exclamation point on their regular season last week? Um, yeah, you know, I I was again, I, you know, that they played at Concord. Um, I'm not sure why that game started at 6:15. Um, so there was already a little bit going on. I was a, I was able to keep up a little bit with that early, and then didn't see it again until the final and blew my mind. I saw that Concord was up 21 nothing at halftime and I thought, okay, well, I guess we're learning a little bit about, you know, each team um, because I think as we said earlier in the year, we would find out more about each of them as they closed out their season. Uh, and then I look and see the final and, and Wyndham scores 30 points unanswered in the second half and wins 30-21, to 21, um, getting three touchdowns from Tiger on uh, down the stretch. I, I, that must have been an insane, another insane game um, to see, and huge for Wyndham because now, I mean, they were already going to be a playoff team. Um, now they get to sit right. back this week and look at the possibility of hosting a playoff game. Right. 
Um, and, you know, and, and it, you know, they haven't since they moved up to D1, they haven't been back in the playoffs. So they haven't had a playoff game in, if I'm remembering cor- correctly, 2017 might have been the last year, maybe 2016, uh, somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, and, and Wyndham's been gutsy like that all year. Right. You know, it's like they, they've got these players like, like Tiger Ann and, and some of their other guys, we, you know, we've talked about uh, in, in previous versions of the show. They've got these guys that just sort of know how to win and gut things out. Um, you know, they, 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 um, they, they've proven, I think, that they're one of these teams that no matter what's going on out there, they just don't give up. And, I mean, this was the exclamation point on that identity. Right, it's not like they have these, you know, that that one or two superstars that they lean on, or their, you know, their quarterbacks going thirty-seven of forty-two for four hundred and fifty yards every week. They sort of seem to be the kind of like the ultimate sort of team accomplishers, right? They 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 get things done together, and they don't they don't ever give up. Um, and I think it's a I think it's a great story for them this year. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Coach Jack Byrne has a a really good plan to do some interesting stuff for the bye week, you know, heal up, do a little team building, uh, keep the skills fresh a little bit, and then be excited because you might be hosting a playoff game for the first time in five years or so. Yeah, that's it's just an. I mean, you're right. They had that. They had that game one against Pinkerton. Um, you know, they're down twenty-one uh, nothing. They score going into the half, come back and almost yeah. win that game. Right. Um, you know, they they were up on Londonderry at halftime there. I think last week against or two weeks ago against Central, I think they got down early too. Came back. Yeah, they one. had to gut out a close yeah. one against Salem. Yeah. Who I know Salem struggled this year, but that's still kind of a local rivalry where we always say anything can happen. Um, so you know, I think a team like that that has that sort of mentality and that sort of resume for a season is really dangerous headed into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, they believe. Absolutely. And they're gelled, you know, they're together. You can tell a team doesn't, you don't do that if you're not a together team. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Wyndham progresses. And, and for Concord, um, you know, just a, a tough loss. Uh, they'd won five in a row, actually six, I believe, if you include the out-of-state game. Um, yep. You know, and now they turn around and have to go to Pinkerton uh, to finish out the season. Um, in in another game, I think you know the winner of that game is probably going to end up with a home game, and the loser is kind of up in the air where they're going. Uh, yeah, and that should be a heck of a game too, because uh, yeah. Pickerton's had a great season. You know, their only in-state loss was that um, Mac Black weekend loss right. to Londonderry back in um, late September. Uh, but you know, both of these teams are going to be scratching and clawing this last week of the season for positioning and for supremacy. Um, and that's at Pinkerton, I believe. Yeah, it is I don't know. I might have to think about where I might need to be on this <laughs> Friday night. That, Friday? Yeah. Like, might be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping that. Like I, I wrote that one uh, or not that game specifically, but, but Friday night in general, I'm keeping in pencil because I don't know if you've the last, uh, last two non COVID, uh, year falls i've i've ended up missing on the friday not last friday night of the season because the field hockey one, this week is also field hockey semifinals and it feel and every year the last or the last two years that it's been normal uh one of those group of semifinals get has been postponed to friday so i'm 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 very i'm, I'm trying to 
not get uh, too locked into any one game there, uh, just in case I have to change uh, plans. But uh, that is definitely a game that's on on my list, short list of ones to to attend on Friday. Uh, you know, and then you, we talked a little bit about the, the Timberlane-Dover game earlier, uh, but just another crazy shootout there, and that looks like it wraps up the number one seed, or the, excuse me, the, the top spot in the East Conference for Timberlane, meaning they would, they'll get a bye uh, that first week. And, and Dover, I, I got to think that Dover, I, again, I haven't crunched all the numbers, but they look like they've got a playoff spot locked up, but I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I guess it depends on what other teams do. Um, you know, but they're certainly in the mix there for one of those last spots along with Spalding. Uh, you know, both of them sitting at three and four in the division. Um, I think it, in kind of those 12 and 13 spots right now. Yeah, and I think I think we had acknowledged Dover has a, a big game this week, and I'm going back to the uh, schedule. Yeah, National was. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I just mentioned it. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So yeah, you know who who knows how that will end up coming off a uh, you know a, a big game against Timberland and how they react to that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we we're not gonna we're not gonna try to break down uh, any any playoff scenarios uh, lie or on the podcast here because honestly uh, we don't want to give anybody a, 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 a you know brain freeze or a popsicle headache. Uh, so we're just gonna I'll say check out the website later in the week. Um, I'll hopefully have a little bit of time to spend to try to figure some of that out. Um, so let's just move on to Division Two, and, and again, uh, a really big game that, that you were at, Mike, that that uh, Pelham win over Sauhegan. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was... It, it, uh, I know it wasn't as crazy as the game that, that you went to, <laughs> but, uh, you know, almost as significant, or if not as significant, in terms of just implications and... Um, you know, exactly what you want to see from a late season um, game, right? I mean, this was this was two unbeaten teams, um, two very good teams coming in at, at, at 7-0. and um, I think a lot of people probably would have had Sauhegan penciled in as the favorite for this game as well. Yeah, if definitely. you had asked me last week and, and you didn't, and I'm thankful for that, <laughs> uh, I might have told you, that's how I would have felt. And, and by the way, that would have been foolish because I haven't seen Pelham at all this year. Um, so it really would have just been going off of some, you know, bias and things like that, where I would have said, Hey, I think, I think this is probably Sauhegan's game. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was a great high school football game. Um, and, and, and every, all credit goes to Pelham. Um, I mean, they came in and I, I thought they had uh, a really, really good game plan. Um, you know, first and foremost, they had a ball control game plan that was, you know, one of the best that I've seen. I, I used to pride myself as a coach on trying to be multiple and balanced, but also we wanted to control the ball, especially against really high-powered offenses, which obviously Sauhegan is one of the best offenses in the state, regardless of what division you play in. Um, and and Pelham was playing, you know, using every second of the quote-unquote play clock, right? I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. We used to do it sometimes at South, when I was at Sauhegan. If we were trying to play keep away from a really good offense, you know, the back judge, there's no play clock oh, right, in high school. Right, yeah. So the back judge uh, puts his hand up at 10 seconds, and then he'll put his hand to the side at five seconds uh, to give the offensive team the understanding of kind of where that quote-unquote play clock would be at. So, 
you know, at first I didn't really know what was going on. I was there. I was watching uh, with Coach Milt Robinson, who used to be the head coach at uh, at Hollis Brookline when I coached there. We were there together, and uh, I, I was looking at how I'm like, man, Pelham has taken a long time to call their plays in the huddle. You know, they were just sort of like hanging out in the huddle, having a cheeseburger, then they'd break and go up to the line. And then it occurred to me that they were all watching the back judge to put his hand up. As soon as his hand would go up for the 10-second point, they would break the huddle, sprint to the line of scrimmage, get set. And then, you know, and then a couple seconds after he'd put his hand to the side, indicating five seconds left for snap, bang, they were coming off the ball and, and, and executing. So they were taking every second of that play clock away from Sauhegan. And it really paid off, especially in the first quarter. I think I had, I had tweeted at one point, and I texted you, Sauhegan ran one offensive play in the first quarter. Wow. Um, and that was a uh, – uh, it happened to be a 75-yard touchdown. Um, <laughs> so it was a, it was a productive um, offensive play, but, but it was a singular offensive play. Um, I think we had Romy Jane hitting uh, – I'm trying to remember who the guy was that he that he hit down the sidelines. I had taken a couple of, of, of notes. It wasn't McGrath who had a huge game. I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but he, he threw just the, you know, the receiver had a one step, you know, and it was a 75-yard bomb, boom, put perfectly from Jane right into this kid's hand who outraced everybody in the end zone. So, you know, it was interesting, though, Joe, because that, that one play really set the tone for the rest of the game for, for as a fan and I think for Pelham. And, and what I mean by that is this understanding that no matter how well Pelham is controlling the ball and the line of scrimmage with the run game and, and so on and so forth, it was very clear that Sauhegan could literally strike from anywhere on the field at any time. Yeah. Because of that one play that they ran in the first quarter, it was the first play of, their, of the game for them. Um, and so there was always that hanging over, I'm sure, Pelham, the coaching staff, the players, the crowd, that this is a close game, and the slightest mistake, and and you could see Sauhegan go 60, 70, 80 yards in one play. Boom. Done. Wow. That, so that, that, it set the tone for what ended up being a really interesting game. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, there were some great performances from, uh, from I, I think, the Pelham offensive and defensive lines, right? You had uh, Ethan Demons, who's Pelham's fullback in their scheme, who carried the ball 24 times for 120 yards um, and a couple touchdowns. And he was a, a beast. I mean, they used him to just pound away at the middle of Sauhegan's defense. I, I don't think he carried the ball wider than guard to guard the entire game. Um, and, and there was a point where he was just picking up five, six yards every single time he got the ball. Punishing. Um, you know, so he did a great job. Um, and then you had, you know, offensively, you had uh, the quarterback, Travis, who was able to go, you know, not gaudy stats, five of six for 100 yards, but two touchdown throws. And, and touchdown throws when they needed to have them, right? Long-distance situations where, uh, you know, it's, you know, it might have been, you know, third and long or something, and they completed it, uh, you know, it for a first down, and he goes the rest of the way for a touchdown. It was just these timely, timely plays by Pelham. And unfortunately, Sauhegan had some things happen to them that, that were kind of the opposite, not timely, right? I, I think J.J. Right. Bright fumbled the ball, um, 
think on South, he might have been on Sauhegan's second drive, so their first drive of the second quarter. He fumbled the ball down inside the five-yard line going in. Um, and that ended up being a 14-point swing for Pelham, which you know ended up being the difference in the game. Right. It was a it was a one-score game, um, and so Hegan wasn't able to get their running game going much after that. I, I I don't I don't have stats for Bright, but I I I don't know that he might have picked up more than 30 or 40 yards for the whole game. Wow, that's that's something to hold him in check. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 again, like I said, credit to the Pelham defense, and and also indicative, you know, Jane throwing the ball thirty-four times. You know, he had a great game, three hundred and thirty yards, three touchdown passes. But again, Sauhegan hasn't really had to do that much this year because they do have a, a, a typically what is a very good running game. Um, so it, it it shows you that the Sauhegan running game was all but kept in check. Um, you know. Uh, they and, and and the Pelham pass rush was relentless at times. I, I hadn't seen Jane harassed like that this year. And sometimes Pelham would only rush three, and they were getting they were hurrying and and at times sacking Jane. So unbelievably impressed with um, with Pelham's offensive and defensive lines in this one. They were just extremely physical. They came to play and they executed really well. Sounds like one of those games too that you you know you hope maybe that the two teams get to meet again at some point uh, in the playoffs. Like it just a rematch would be maybe as good as the original. Oh yeah, definitely. In fact, that was the first thing that I said when the game ended. Was I was I said to uh, Coach Robinson, I was like, wow, you know, I really hope these guys get to play again because it felt like one of those games where, you know, again, all it would have taken was. One you you erase one mistake or you erase one penalty or whatever, and the score might have been reversed. Okay. It was that close, um, and, and and you know so it always makes you wonder about that rematch and the what ifs and you know and um, and it could be a positive for Southampton too. I mean they've got players right. I mean Maddox McGrath is a guy we haven't talked much about this year. He's he's one of Southampton's wide receivers and defensive backs. I mean he just had a monster game. He had 119 yards receiving, but he also had multiple tackles i mean he must have led the team in tackles um i think he had a pass defended uh, it might have even been a pick i'm trying to remember but um uh, i mean there's a guy that we haven't even really talked much no, about right. and right and he was awesome so it was a really good game I, I wish i had the names of every one of those linemen for pelham though because i would mention every single one of those kids they <laughs> they they really had a game. It was it was fun to watch. It's you know when you watch a football game, a lot of times you watch the quarterback or you watch the running back and stuff. And I was so impressed with them. I just I just started spotlighting the 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 line. Right. I wasn't even watching the ball anymore. I was just looking at the line play, and uh, really impressed with what they did. That is uh, that is spoken like a uh, a true football coach there. <laughs> right, exactly, right. Yeah, you know, I started watching the individual matchups, you know. It's like, you're not watching the ball. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Everybody's celebrating a touchdown, and Mike's over here. Like, oh, man, I can't believe he missed that block. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that, I, I, you got to imagine, um, you know, barring some, some crazy scenarios again, that that, that gives Pelham, uh, at worst, the two seed. I guess the only thing that would drop them out of that spot is, uh, is, and I don't know if it could just because of the point. Again, rating determines, um, you know, seeding. Uh, but Pelham gets to go to Hanover uh, to end the season. Sauhegan plays at John Stark, which um, they, you know, they'd get some points for that win. But I don't know if they both finish. Uh, 
eight and one. Um, again, rating wise, I don't know what the the difference would be there, uh, but I think you got to imagine that that the edge would go to Pelham. Uh, you know, and and they could end up the number one seed, uh, but that would take. Uh, you got to imagine that would take a loss by Guilford Belmont uh, against St. Thomas and and Guilford. Uh, you know, after a couple of couple of weeks where they had, uh, I think they were banged up a little bit, had a, a couple lower scoring games. Uh, they put on a show again uh, on Saturday with a uh, a thirty five to eight win over Hanover. Which was thirty-five nothing um, until Hanover scored late. So uh, I mean, that was that's a game that that you know I think we kind of highlighted as a, a big one going into the week. Um, and, and Guilford just comes out and and dominates that game. Um, you know, Isaiah Reese had another huge game, hundred and eighty-eight yards rushing and three touchdowns, ninety-eight yards passing, another touchdown. Um, Michael Keto had a touchdown as well, eighty-five yards on the ground. So just um, you know, it looks like you know, it, with a win over St. Thomas, your number one seed is going to be uh, Guilford Belmont going into the playoffs. Yeah, which I got to I got to be honest. The, the as we often say, the win doesn't surprise me over Hanover. The score surprises right. me. That's a yeah. bigger point yeah. spread than the Sauhegan Hanover game was uh, just a couple weeks ago when that was a, another battle of undefeateds over at the Jungle. Um, but like you said, you know, every game is a different thing, right? There could have been some guys banged up for Guilford Belmont the past couple weeks, et cetera. Um, but a total statement game for them, right? Hanover is a good football team. Like I said, I've seen them live, uh, very similar to Pelham in terms of style and, and their line play. Maybe not quite as much depth as Pelham features, but very similar. Um, so for Guilford to come out and, and decisively win that game like that, yeah, it's got to... That's got to put all of Division Two on notice. Yeah, I think uh, I think going into um, this week again, haven't crunched the numbers, but but it looks like the top four seeds are going to end up being in some order: Guilford, Belmont, Pelham, Sauhegan, Bow. Um, which you know, a team that we haven't talked about as much, um, you know, at times this year, just because they've kind of quietly gone, you know, seven and one to this point, won their last uh, five in a row. Um, you know, when they close out at Laconia this week, which is a, you know a winnable game, looking possibly at eight and one going into the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I'm. It, it's interesting. You know, some of these teams, we kind of, all oh, the you know early in the year, some of those big matchups like Bo lost to Guilford Belmont, I think third week of the season, and not to say they fell off our radar, but you you know we're we're not talking about them as much just because of that. And then you got a team like Kennett too at five and three. Um, you know, they, they're coming off a big win over, um, you know, Merrimack Valley that that's more than likely clinched a playoff spot for them. Uh, and then on the other side, I think a team that, that, you know, we, we expected to be in the playoffs, um, you know, has kind of come back to the, you know, come back into the mix here with Milford. Um, you know, although they might need some help to still get in, but they finish up with Lebanon, uh, but a win there puts them at five and four and potentially in that seventh or eighth spot, depending on what, some other teams do, and then um, and then John. Yeah, Stone. I was gonna say they're not gonna get a whole lot of points. You know, that's no, that's the rough part is you get a win, but you're not gonna accumulate a lot of points there. Yeah, John Stark too, uh, sitting at four and four. Um, they're on a four game win streak. Of course, they'd have a, a you know have to pull off one of the major upsets of the year, uh, knocking off Sauhegan. But 
Um, you know, yeah, when, especially Sal Hegan coming off a loss like that. That's right. that's um, you know the the advantage may be though that Sal Hegan has to go to Stark for a two o'clock game. Yeah, um, Stark's been pretty good at home this year, um, and you know the, again riding some momentum. I'm not saying that I would I would uh, I, I would give the nod to Stark if you yeah, ask me who the, the favorite there is. I just yeah. say, you know, that that that's going to be, I think that could be a, a good game. And I'm sure Sal Hegan's going to come out loaded for bear and ready to play. Um, right. But it's interesting because Stark's calling card has been the power run game, and that's exactly what the Achilles heel for Sal Hegan has been um, over the last couple few weeks. They did a really good job against uh, uh, Plymouth in that regard. Um, but uh, they, they showed some cracks in the dam against Hanover, and, and, and certainly uh, that was that was the you know sort of the the major factor, the determining factor in Pelham's victory this past week. So um, you know, I, I doubt Coach Bauquet is sitting back saying, "Oh, you know, this should be an easy one." Right. Uh, you, you you know that he's not doing that. You know that they're going to come out and have a great game plan and be ready to roll. Yeah. Uh, well, if. Uh... If anyone ever tries to tell you that that you know every game doesn't matter, I got example uh, probably uh, probably example of hundreds that that they do, especially the first week of the seasons. Because you look at Division Three, and you know we talked about I think for most of the year Trinity, Monadnock, Campbell look like the you know the top three teams going to have those three playoff spots. Uh, that's the way it's shaped up. Um, looks like Trinity one, Monadnock two, Campbell three. Less some there's some uh, you know upsets that happen in this last week of the year, and then that fourth spot we kind of figured was up for grabs: Fall Mountain, Stevens, Kearsarge, um, you know Interlakes, Epping, Newmarket. Like which which one of those teams would get that fourth spot? Uh, right now it's Interlakes Moultonboro who's in the driver's seat, uh, five and three. They've won four in a row. Um, you know, and they um, they finish up with with a Conval team that that obviously has struggled this year. So certainly a game, uh, you know, and they're at home for that one. So you know, potential six and three finish to the season there, uh, which you know, it would bump out the the team that's maybe been the hottest team in Division Three uh, is Stevens, who's won their last five. They're also five and three, but to open the season. Interlakes got a 26-22 win over Stevens. Uh, right. You know, and Stevens, although, I, again, haven't figured out all the numbers, they finish with Trinity. If they upset Trinity and Interlakes beats Conval, and they're both 5-3, and three, I think there might be a chance that, that, that Stevens' rating is high enough to bump them over Interlakes, but there's a lot of other things at play there, so I'd have to look at that a little bit more, but... Um, you know, that's a, that's a tall task, uh, trying to upset a team that, um, you know, that's been, uh, dominant from wire to wire this season. Yeah. I was just looking at Trinity's season resume and, uh, it's about as impressive as it gets, you know, I mean, but still Stevens is on a tear. I know that, and Stevens opened the season obviously with a very tough schedule, inner legs, and not Campbell one, two, three, um, but since then, they've they've done nothing but rip off five in a row, uh, decisive wins, right? So there's something to say for momentum. Obviously, Trinity has momentum as well, um, and and I'm sure they'll be fighting to keep that that one seed and and um, you know want to finish on an undefeated note. That's a that's a very special and rare thing in football. Um, so yeah, 
big game, and that's that's at Stevens. Um, so Trinity will have to make the trip. Um, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, that'll be an interesting one. That um, I, you know, Saturday afternoon, you still got Fall Mountain going to Campbell. Like I said, an outside shot, I think, uh, for Fall Mountain, but but not um, certainly not in the driver's seat to get that playoff spot. Um, you know, and and looking at what Stephen, you know, you mentioned Stephen's tough start to the season too. Um, you know, they they got beat twenty six nothing by Monadnock, but they held Campbell to just sixteen points in a uh, a sixteen nothing win. Um, you know, against Campbell, so right. You know, maybe I mean it's I I, I would say I'm not again like you're not gonna uh, <laughs> lay it all on on that uh, Sauhegan start game this weekend. I maybe wouldn't you know put it all on Trinity in this this. Or excuse me, I wouldn't put it all on Stevens to upset Trinity, but I'd say maybe there's a chance, a more than yeah. good chance. No, and that's and I think that's what you want in some of these great end of the year matchups, right? Is 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 uh, to say, hey, there's this there's a big team on a big run or whatever, but that team that's coming in to face them, they've they've got enough in the tank to make that a great game and and pull it off. And I, I think a lot of times those are the most interesting games. Right, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's Division Three this week, and then in Division Four, uh, they had their second bye week last week, so no games played. Uh, and this one kind of looks like it's um, it's all but wrapped up uh, for those four seeds. You've got Summersworth at six and zero, Newport five and one, Raymond four and two, and then Bishop Brady three and three. You know, Winnesquam's at two and four, but as you know, we talked about earlier in the year, they're uh, ineligible for the playoffs having moved down from Division Three, And the Newfound also 2-4, and four, uh, but I don't know if uh, they play Mascoma this week. Um, even if they get a win in that one, I don't know if it would be enough points that if Bishop Brady were to lose to, to move past them in the standings. Right. So really just, uh, just looking to see where everybody finishes uh, in terms of seeding uh, going into this week. In, in yeah. yeah, the big game there may be of interest may be Newport um, hosting Raymond at right. two o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you know, Raymond's uh, lost two games to, to Brady and Summersworth, but other than that, they've been pretty dominant. So um, could be a good game. Yeah. That's an interesting one too. You look at that, that, that Raymond dropped that game against Bishop Brady in the second week of the season. And right. Potentially could end up finishing ahead of them uh, in the standings, depending on what happens this weekend. Right. It doesn't happen all that often. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Well, that is, uh, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. Unless, Mike, you got any other, any final thoughts? No, I don't think so, Joe. I, I think, uh, I think there are a couple of good games going on this weekend, though. Hopefully I can get out to one, if not two. Um, we'll see, see what Saturday afternoon brings. I, I've got a, I've got a, my own game. I, we have a, Saturday night youth football game to end my little guy season, All right. uh, my two sons. So, um, you know, if maybe if there's a uh, one o'clock start somewhere close by, I'll be able to hit that. But, uh, but no, I'm just looking forward to see what this last weekend brings. Yeah. When, next time we, we do this, we will be, uh, we'll be talking about playoffs. Yep. Um, so look, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to another great weekend of, of football should be, I think it's supposed to be some pretty nice weather too. Um, after some rain this week, so uh, we've really lucked out, I think, in terms of that uh, this season. There hasn't been any weekends that's been, you know, um, 
too, too crazy weather-wise. Yeah, don't talk about a no-hitter while it's going on, Joe. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Knock on wood and right. end it there. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that, then that sounds like a good time to wrap it up then. All right. He is, uh, <laughs> he is Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Joe Marcellina. Enjoy the games this week, and we'll talk to you next week.